0: I believe it was uh, Bible scholar Ray Vanderlind who told a story of being in Israel and looking out over this uh, ravine, and there was a split in the middle of it. But there were the, there were these two shepherds walking side by side, talking, and they got to the uh, split, and one went one way, the other went the other way, and their sheep began to divide between them as each shepherd made a different sound. Uh, Jesus said, "My sheep know my voice." And a stranger, they will not follow. Um, this summer, uh, we we just got off a, a season of intense ministry. My family was in um, in Europe for most of the summer. We spent five weeks working with Grace International Church in Lisbon, Portugal, pastoring a church in transition. And then we spent a week in Spain. I spoke at a, a church there for a friend of mine, and then we were in France. Rough life, but somebody's got to do it. And, so, uh, and uh, while we're in France, we were able to visit with another Seacoast missionary, uh, Ricardo Walker, and it was great hanging out with him and uh, checking out the Eiffel Tower and just having a good time. So, uh, we got home, home for a few days, and uh, life doesn't stop for us, does it? Uh, our oldest son announced that he's getting married, which is great, and so uh, that was good news. Good news. A few days after that, I went to Columbia International University and got home uh, at midnight Friday night from teaching a class on leadership and lifelong learning. And uh, three days of the class were focused in the classroom, and then Thursday and Friday, we were part of something called the Global Leadership Summit that Willow Creek satellites out to uh, about 200,000 people around the globe. So it's been an intense season of ministry and I'm tired, so if I if I fall asleep today during the message, Doug, come wake me up and and say Amen or something. But um, you know, the series we did in Europe was on uh, on God's heart to rescue and restore people. God's heart is to rescue and restore folks. Uh, I was lost; Jesus rescued me, and He can rescue you. Is the basic message uh, of that uh, of the series. Jesus said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Well, I spent most of my summer lost. In fact, every time I got in the car, my kids, there was this united groan. You know, because they'd say, how far is it to this place we're supposed to go? I said, 30 minutes. So then I would hear them say, I bet it's an hour and a half. The next one would say, I bet it's two. You know, and, uh, which didn't help because then I was going to prove them wrong. So it would be three hours, but we, we, uh, I discovered that GPSs in Europe are useless, and I wanted to help that little lady in the box recalculate, and uh, I had to repent of things I said to her. In fact, I, I loaded one location, and I thought, okay, I read it 39 times, you know, I said, okay, I got it right, this is, I'm going to get there. I end up in another town. Finally, the guy calls, and he says, uh, where are you? I said, uh, I'm at the address. He said, what's around you? I said, oh, there's houses, this, this. He said, no, 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 what's, what's outside the car right now? So I describe it again. He said, uh, and he's from Portugal. He said, find a local on the street and hand him the phone. And so I did. That person ends up taking me to a bar where I sit and wait for my friend to meet me. And then we go from there, and he says, follow me. And uh, I got to our destination. Uh, You know, when we're lost, we need somebody to show us the way. And I was so thankful for Alexander, and my kids wish he had ridden with us every day. In Psalm 100, in the 100th Psalm, it says this, a psalm of giving thanks, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name for the Lord is good. And His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. I said it before but it bears repeating. If God is good but he's not great, then he's just like Father Christmas and we just go to him for things. If God is great and he isn't good, then we have a tyrant, which some world religions is kind of their view of God. He's all powerful, but he doesn't contain goodness. And we see in the scripture a a picture of God as one who is great and good. It's not either or, it's both and. And In Psalm 23, another psalm that's very familiar, kind of foundational to our message today, it says this A psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Think of that a moment. He restores my soul. Rescue and restore. You may be here today, and you're in need of having your soul restored. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You may feel alone. You may think you're alone. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, the promise of the Scripture is that God is with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's with you regardless of what you're going through. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In Psalm 100, verse 3, we heard, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Then in Psalm 23, it tells us uh, much about God's character and His care for us. David refers in this psalm to God as a pastor, a leader, a counselor, and a servant. As we give thanks to God, using this imagery, we make a declaration of the greatness and the goodness of our God. You know, the... um, the word confession in Scripture. The definition of confession is to say the same thing as, and for many of us, we think of that in terms of confession of sin. Uh, that we say what God says about our sin. We confess. We say the same thing He says about it. God, I agree. You know, uh, with you, I shouldn't lie. I shouldn't curse at a GPS. Uh, you know, we 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 say what He says about our behaviors but the word confession also has a positive connotation to say the same thing about and when we take a psalm like this and says the lord is my shepherd i shall not want and we turn that around and say god you are my shepherd we're making a confession of god's greatness and his goodness the word pastor and shepherd in portuguese and in spanish is the same in English, we have a division. We think pastor is some special religious figure, which is kind of a shame. The uh, in fact, it happened in 1611. In 1611, when King James' was, uh, Bible was first translated, the uh, there was an there was an ecclesiology. There was a church life that had developed that was uh, very traditional, and part of that tradition was the role of pastor as a as a as a title, and. So when they got to a passage in Ephesians chapter 4 that said one of the leaders within the church is uh, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, they translated it pastor, but the word is shepherd. It's the only place in the entire Bible that the word is translated pastor, and it was translated that way because of tradition. Um, So when you hear the word pastor, think shepherd, but I'm actually going to reverse it this morning and refer to God as our pastor the Lord is my pastor, I shall not want. I think uh, it was Charles Simpson was a church leader back when I was uh, younger, and he made this statement, Every pastor needs a pastor. And so I have spent my life pastoring and ministering and made a commitment when I heard that message as a teenager or a college student, I'm going to do that. I'm going to always seek someone that I can look up to, that can speak into my life. Dusty Reynolds has been a pastor to me, a good friend of mine in Savannah, Georgia. And he is someone that's a pastor to me. The scripture says in Psalm 28, verse nine: "Oh save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd, their pastor, and carry them forever. Now here's the twist. Because God is our pastor... I can pastor others. I can shepherd others. Shepherd, you know, shepherding isn't an easy job. They're dirty animals. They're, they get ticks and all kinds of stuff, you know, and they're, uh, we, we think of, you know, lambs kind of dancing on clouds when we think, think of sheep. They're, they're, that's really not the best image. I do think about the two pilots who are flying along, and this is uh, uh, Gary Larson, one of my favorite theologians. Maybe you remember his, uh, his writings, Far Side. And uh, so we're, he 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 has two pilots flying along in a cloud bank, and one of them looks to the other and said, "Would you look at that? Would you look at that? A sheep, uh, I mean a goat on a cloud." Um, the um, last thing he said, the um, <clears throat> but God is shepherd. We think shepherd, and we think of this. Um, thank you, both both of you. Thank you. <laughs> um, the uh, we, we think of this, this idea of shepherd. You know, the good thing about sheep is you, you may think of your sweater or a suit or, you know, socks or if you're from up north, gloves, you know, a scarf. You think of wool, you think, you know, sheep. Good thing is they don't kill the animal. You know, unlike with leather, it's, uh, it's kind of harder to reproduce that. But the, uh, you, you may have this idealized, idealized image of, of sheep. Uh, But they're they're not the brightest animal on the planet. I mean, when I fly back in from other countries, and I come in, whether it's Atlanta or New York or or Philadelphia, or I come back to an international airport, and I come in, and you've got to go through customs, and they've got these dogs that come and sniff your luggage. I, I don't know if you've experienced that. They're looking for Alpo and dog biscuits. I mean, it's the only thing I can figure. And making sure you're not importing artificial brands from other countries coming into our country. And, but... You never see, uh, you know, police sheep, <laughs> which to me makes a lot more sense. I mean, they'd be sniffing for grass. and, and... <laughs> Because God is my pastor, I can pastor others. Leader is another image that we're given here. He leads me beside still waters. That we need God to lead us. We need his leadership. In fact, uh, this conference that I went to with Bill Hybels, uh, the, the seminar. You know, Bill pastors a small church up in Barrington, South Barrington, Illinois, of twenty thousand, and 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 has a network of Willow Creek churches around the world. And one of the professors at CIU, a guy named Al McKechnie, Al served on the staff from year two forward for nine years with with uh, Hybels and. I heard Al say once, he goes, you know, I've served under a lot of leaders in my life. He said, but this is a guy I would follow off a cliff. And I know Al. He's a sharp guy. He's a psychiatrist, psychologist, uh, excuse me, professor, uh, you know, great guy. Now, there's people when I was pastoring that I'd like to have led off a cliff, but that's another story. <laughs> but, you know, Bill was a great leader. David shepherded them with the integrity of his heart. With skillful hands, he led them in in David we see this example of a blend between a shepherd and a leader. The word shepherd was used of the by the pagan nations around Israel to refer to their kings, but it became a negative image because they just would rule in in unbearing, unbearable ways. They would control. They would dominate their people, and. It also became a term in Scripture. David used it positively of himself as a shepherd, that he was a leader. And he used his reference to God as a a good shepherd. But we see that the term kind of falls into disrepute. And so, in fact, the Egyptians wouldn't even eat in the same room with shepherds. I mean, they they didn't like shepherds. And Jesus, when he comes, the first people he's revealed to are shepherds. They They come and they welcome him into the world. And shepherds gets rescued by Jesus. The word in, uh, in, in Ezekiel, the Egyptians, I mean, the, um, the Israelites have been deported to Babylon. And Ezekiel's writing during that time period, and he refers to spiritual leaders as shepherds. And he says they've all gone south. They, you know, um, they, they've all gone in the wrong direction. None of the leaders are leading in a way that's God-honoring. They're taking advantage of the sheep. And, but then he makes a promise. He said, there will be a shepherd. God will shepherd his people. God will be the shepherd again. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and in John chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. Now, as Americans, we read that and say, oh, isn't that cute? What a nice imagery. What he's actually saying is, The promise of Ezekiel and his prophetic message was there will be a good shepherd that will come. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, I'm here. I am God in the flesh. And it's a statement of his divinity. And we see in Jesus the good shepherd and he rescues this. And from that point forward, spiritual leaders are again called shepherds. In fact, Peter says, shepherd the flock. And Paul says, shepherd those who are given to you. And it gets recaptured. And, but it applies not just to the leaders. All of us are to f- uh, function in a, two, in a dual role. We're to be sheep to God and a shepherd to others. Because he is my shepherd, because he is my pastor, I can shepherd others. I can lead others. God wants us to lead with compassion. And he wants us to lead with direction. Because God's our leader, I can lead others. Counselor is another image that's given in Psalm 23. It says that you comfort me. With your rod and your staff, you comfort me. There are those who debate, scholars who debate, because that's what scholars do. And so that it was one implement. You know, there was a shepherd's staff with a hook on the end. And if a sheep were to stray, the shepherd would capture them, pull them back in using the hook. And on the other end of that same uh, implement, there would be a rock or or something hard, and it would be a rod that he would use if if an enemy, you know, a wolf or a bear or uh, someone who who was from a football team other than the one you pull for, you know, the enemy. You you, you would use that to to ward them off. And there are others who say, no, no, the rod was a separate, uh, like a billy club, and then there was the staff. And I think it's kind of like surfing. Do you surf single fin or multiple fins? Who cares? Go surf. And, but the promise is, I will shepherd my people. I will care for them. I, with a, I will comfort. I will comfort them. I found myself in need of comfort this summer. On June 5th, I had a dream, kind of a strange dream. And in the dream, uh, it was, there were these words, He is in my presence. It was a very real dream. There were friends of mine in the dream. And I awoke from the dream and I said, no. And I got up. The dream was so tangible. I got up. It was like someone had called me on the phone and told me a message. I got up and I went downstairs and I got on Facebook. And I looked and immediately in the dream, I knew that the dream was about a good friend of mine named Kevin Childs. And I got up and I went and I looked on Facebook. And on June 5th it said his daughter had written, we're transporting dad to Duke. Earlier this year, while preaching, my friend Kevin had a heart attack in the middle of his message. He pastored the rock over in Conway. And while he's preaching, he knows he's having a heart attack, but he didn't, You know, he's one of God's sheep. And so he says, I'm not going to stop preaching. I'm not through with my message. So he continues till he finishes, then goes to the hospital. And in college, Kevin had Hodgkin's disease. The doctors told him, if you survive this, he was a football player at Wofford, big guy, dropped down to about 130 pounds, and he... The doctor said, "If you survive this, you will not be able to have children. The radiation will prevent you from being able to have kids. He had six i mean Ke- Kevin kind of defied the odds you know kevin was was the one friend. I like pranking people, but he 's one guy I never pranked. I mean payback's too much in fact he he one of his uh, football buddies played for Clemson, guy who was six feet eight and uh, big dude you know and so they um, Kevin was out of town. Kevin not, never locked his house during those days. And so when he was out of town, his friend Dean came by the house, did what any good friend would do. He took his large TV and took it to his house. And so Kevin comes in, realizes the TV's gone, and he says, oh, Dean's been here. So he goes, he calls a friend of his that Dean doesn't know who's a police officer, says, I've got a favor I need to ask of you. And he says, great, what do you need? He said, pick me up. So in the police car, so they come, get the police car, it's at night, he says, okay, we're going to Dean's house, I want you to turn on the lights and the siren, I want you to go to his front door and uh, and handcuff him and bring him to the vehicle. He says, got it. So Kevin waits in the back seat, jumps out, says to Dean, we're even. So when Kevin told me that story 35 years ago, I said, I'll never prank this guy. I mean, you know, some, some things you just don't do. Kevin and Dean were, uh, and and another friend, were on a uh, three-man basketball team, and they played in a church league, and the refs pulled them aside and said, guys, look, this is a church league, dial it back a little bit, to which Kevin responded, we're here to win, and and they did. I mean, that's that's the kind of guy this was. Well, June 5th, I get to have this dream, and then two days before we leave for Europe, I get a phone call, and Kevin... Has, is unconscious and I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew that I had the dream the month o- earlier and I knew, or the week earlier, and I knew that he would not be alive when I returned from Europe. Now, Kevin and I were in a small group with Jeff Dunn who pastors over at Christ United Methodist Church 35 years ago. We moved away from each other for 20 years, pastored in other cities, all moved back to Myrtle Beach 10 years ago, 11 years ago now, And formed different ministries. And we said, hey, wouldn't it be great to kind of renew our old small group? And so for the last 10 years, every Wednesday, I get together with these guys. And I got back from Europe and it was just Jeff and myself. And when I'm in Europe and I get this phone call that he's died, that he died, the sadness, the anger, the frustration of a loss of a friend much too young was overwhelming. I spent the, most of my summer, and, and even now, in, in a, what I call a mild depression, just kind of low, hurting. And we look at the promise of the psalmist. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. I don't know what you're going through. All of us lose people. None of them that we lose do we say, you know, they just live too long. some, Some of you may say that, but for a lot of folks, you don't. He's with us. The Amplified Bible says of John 14, verse 16, And I will ask of the Father, He'll give you another comforter, a counselor, a helper, an intercessor, an advocate, a strengthener, a standby, and He'll remain with you forever. Because God is my counselor, I can counsel others, and you can too. He reveals Himself as servant. The first time I realized this, it was kind of—it was one of those verses that I looked at and said, "That's almost blasphemous." I mean, God served me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of your enemies. You anoint my head with oil; my cup overflows. He's the one serving at the table and pouring the wine. We see that Jesus said when He came as the Good Shepherd. He made the statement, I did not come to be served, but to serve. We see him in, in John chapter 10, verse 10. It says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And in chapter 13, verse 4, he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist. He came to serve. He came to serve. When we cry out that famous theological prayer, help. God comes to our side to serve, to help us. Best human example I've seen of this is a Korean friend of mine named Sung. Sung and I were in seminary together, and we spent time studying all the time. I mean, we were just diligent, diligent students, usually at the table tennis table, and um, studying angles and different ways of looking at things. And so we were, we were there playing, and he was better than me, and I don't like people who are better than me. And so we're, we're playing, and he's, he's just cleaning my clock every day. And then one day, he says, when I do this spin, you need to do this to return it. And I said, okay. And then he said, when I hit this shot, here's how you return this shot. And for about a month, it's like the, our games just shifted, where every day became a tutorial. And he said, now, Americans, you have basketball camps and football camps and baseball camps. He said, we have table tennis camps in Korea. He said, uh, let me help you. And so we spent about a month playing, and every day I'd hit a shot that went off or did something wrong. He said, okay, you did that wrong. Here's how you need to do that. And at the end of that time, the tournament rolled around, school tournament. And I looked on the roster, and his name wasn't there. I said, Sung, why's your name not on the list? He said, dude, I've been training you for a month to win this thing. I'm not playing. He prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and I did win the tournament. Eventually got where I could beat Sung. He went back to South Korea. Go to camp, I guess. Jesus says, I have other sheep too that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, for there will be one flock and one shepherd. Because God is my shepherd, because he's my servant, I can serve others. I can help others succeed. I can help them reach heights they never reach without my help, and you can too. Here's how I want you to look at applying this this week. There are two questions I want you to ponder. The first is this. Which of these images, pastor, leader, counselor, servant, which of these resonate most with you now in your life and why? And then the second thought to ponder is this. What area of your life do you need God to reveal himself to you as pastor, as leader, as counselor, or as servant? Perhaps you're here this morning and you're in desperate need of rescue. You don't know Jesus Christ. You don't know the good shepherd. And today that can all change. You can just come to him and say this, I give everything I know about me to everything I know about you. He's the good shepherd. He'll receive you. You say, well, I don't know much about him. Here's what you need to know about him. The good shepherd died on a cross, was buried. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And if that resonates as true in your heart, say, I believe that. And God, I give everything I know about me to everything I know about you. That's rescue. Restoration, all of us are at need, of need of restoration at multiple points in our lives. I'm at that point in my life right now where I need God's restoration. My cup's empty, but he promises, my cup overflows. And if we'll come before him, he'll fill us, if we'll admit we have an empty cup and that we're in need of his filling. Let's pray.